It's Thursday, October 5th, and this is the 1909, the state news' weekly podcast featuring our reporters talking about the news. I'm your host, Alex Walters. This week, I'm joined by administration reporter Theo Shear to talk about backlash to comments made by the chair of MSU's presidential search committee. And then campus reporter Owen McCarthy will tell us about an expansion of accessibility for families hoping to enjoy basketball games at MSU's Breslin Center. With that, let's start the show. All right, my next guest is a very talented reporter, and also, as I've just learned uh, unofficially, the number 19 Miss Pac-Man player in the world. Uh, welcome back to the show, Theo Shear. Thank you so much for having me again, Alex. I feel like I'm a regular at this point. I know. You are. And you're not lying about the Pac-Man thing, right? Because it's, no, it's, I mean, it's a news show. So Yeah, I, it is unofficial. Um, I'm not on the register, but I, yeah. Just yeah. comparing your score to the people who are, you... Yes, I, I, I would be around the 19 mark. That's impressive. Um, but all right, a little less fun than Miss Pac-Man, i got to ask you. A couple right. weeks back, you were on the show. We talked about a story that you and I wrote about this ongoing presidential search at MSU. Before we get into any of the new stuff today, for those who, for whatever reason, are not dedicated weekly listeners of the 1909, you know, can you give a sort of a brief summary of that story, what was in it, what we talked about before? Yeah, so that story, um, I think the main part of it uh, was Dennis Denno. Um, mm-hmm. He's a trustee and also the head of the Presidential Search Committee. Um, he told us that they are, so they're, they're in the middle of searching for a new president. They're, they're reviewing um, applications, they're looking at candidates, they're doing all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Denno, what Denno said um, was that the committee, whoever they choose, might not be the president. It's mm. ultimately up to um, him, the board of trustees, to choose who's going to be the university's yeah. so next for those, president. So you know, unfamiliar, there's two groups here. You've got the mm-hmm. board of trustees. Uh, they're elected statewide. They run MSU all the time. But now we've got this second kind of group, this presidential search committee they just put together um, that's supposed right. to put forward candidates for the board to pick as president. What you're saying is Denno said that's not necessarily the case. Exactly. And, and this this uh, committee is representative, or supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, of, of faculty, staff, students, and, and also there are trustees on, on the committee as well. So I they're see. trying to sort of make it a, a sort of democratic um, you know, choice of, of president, but that's not exactly how it might pan out. Yeah, and that story that we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, it's a broader story, secrecy in the search, the process, who a potential candidate might be, whether they might be deterred by some of the recent sort of tumult and turmoil at MSU, all that. But a couple things in it, like you're kind of alluding to, in the last, what, week or so, have created quite the stir. And it's really, you know, it's a couple of things. It's comments by Dennis Denno where he said, you know, one, that the next president of MSU doesn't necessarily have to be an academic. I think his words were that it could be someone um, from the business world or with a very strong military background. And the other thing was what you said, that there's a world where, you know, the committee recommends one person and the board decides, actually, we're going to go with somebody else and that he's comfortable with that. And there's been quite the reaction. Do you want to, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's definitely caused uh, quite a stir among um, a lot of groups, I think the Faculty Senate mm-hmm. released a statement a little bit ago saying kind basically... Kind got started. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, they were basically um, telling the Board of Trustees, um, the person that you choose, it's got to be an academic and it's got to be elected by a committee, mm, uh, by see. the search committee. Um, but now, they did that in, in a resolution, and these resolutions that the Faculty Senate puts out, they're non-binding. They're basically just sort of voicing an opinion of the faculty, but it really so shows... That doesn't have any effect, necessarily. Exactly. It, it just shows what uh, people are generally thinking about this. Just sort of advisory. 
Exactly. Yeah. I see. Yeah, and then even you know a couple days after that, I um, I was sitting down with Teresa Woodruff, the interim president right now, who said that she's not seeking the permanent role. And we're talking about something relatively unrelated. We're talking about the Mel Tucker situation. But I asked her about you know what's sort of affecting her decision to not seek the permanent presidency, who she wants to see as her successor. And it's the first thing she says. You know, she looks at me and she goes, "Well, I just want to see someone who's you know an academic with a real research background." And then she went on with other reasons. Uh, but I thought that was interesting that she's also kind of pushing back on these comments about Dano. Um, but other administrators have since, you know, after what Woodruff said, after the fact that the Senate said, also pushed back. You got a letter last week. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So I got a letter from, um, let's see, all of the deans, uh, seven vice provosts, and one associate dean and the director of, of the FRIB. Um, and they were all basically sort of backing what the faculty senate said, like just saying um, they're hoping the board is answering the calls for, for a fair presidential search, what they consider to be. Um, to be fair and, and prioritizes these things um, that the faculty senate prioritize, like academic backgrounds um, and, and also just elected by the, the search committee itself. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and you know, and we should be clear too, um, that letter that was sent to the Board of Trustees, you know, we wrote about the faculty senate resolution, Woodruff, that was another piece we wrote, you know, I've given Deno a couple texts and calls, I've not heard back from him, I don't know what he's thinking, um, I'm not sure if he's considering this feedback, maybe thinking about changing his mind, or if not, um, but either way, this has been interesting. Like, like you know, since we published that piece the last couple of weeks, there's been um, a big reaction to those comments. Um, so yeah, well, thanks for coming on the show and talking about it. Uh, it was great to have you. Thank you so much, Alex. Yeah, I'll yeah. see you again soon. All right, our next guest is here, and he is a, a newcomer to the 1909. His first time. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, my name is Owen McCarthy. Um, I'm a general assignment reporter on the campus desk. Um, I just got started here at the start of the semester, and I'm loving it so far. And thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I love the story. Um, and you know, but before we get into the specifics, you wrote about a new sensory room mm -hmm. at MSU for people with no preconceived notion, no idea what that is. What is a sensory room? Yeah, so a sensory room is a quiet space um, for anyone with sensory needs. Mm -hmm. um, and when we think sensory needs, we often think of people um, who have autism. Um, but it can really be for anyone who can be overstimulated by a large event with you know, lights and lo loud music and people all around. Sometimes people with sensory needs just need a place to go to, to unwind and to decompress. And in these rooms, there's usually a lot of different sort of like fidget toys, mm. um, comfortable furniture. The lights are like really easily adjustable. So there can be different colors and shades, um, just depending on people's needs at that time. Mm. So like during, you know, a, a sporting event, a concert, a movie, that kind of thing, you can go and just a place to kind of, I, I guess, reset a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the I idea. See. And so this one that you wrote about is a, is a brand new one, just mm -hmm. opened up in the Breslin Center, which is, you know, MSU's basketball arena. Yep. Dean plays volleyball, plays there too. There's concerts, all kinds of events. And do you want to describe, you know, it's an audio format, they can't see, mm -hmm. um, give people an idea of what this room looks like, you know, you've seen it. Yeah, so I'll try to tap into my ability to sort of yeah. like describe a picture here, but I'm looking at the picture actually on our story. Um, and there's these really cool um, sort of green lights um, mm. that it almost looks like there's some like water inside these lights and there's like bubbles and it's, it's really cool to look at actually. And there's just like, you know, every color you can imagine. There's this, these really comfortable like plush toys. There's actually like a, a slice of pizza well, it's, oh. not a, it's not a real slice of pizza, but it's like a, a chair. Plush. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's like a, a bouncy ball there. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's like a, it's, I guess, a very soft room. And if yes. you, as much as you did a wonderful job, Owen, Thank if you, you. do want to <laughs> see it, statenews.com, you can check out the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but anyway, this is, uh, I think, a rare thing. You know, there's a survey from Forbes of professional sports stadiums, and in 250 that they looked at in the country, only 70 have sensory rooms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I couldn't find a similar study of college stadiums, but I would guess that they're probably less equipped than these larger yeah. pro arenas. So how did this, you know, come together at MSU? Why was this a prior- priority? It's such a rare thing. Yeah, so I actually talked to a gentleman named Anthony Iani, Mm -hmm. who is, um, he played on MSU's team from about 2010 to 2014, um, and he was the first Division I basketball player to be diagnosed with autism. Um, And after he graduated, he's basically dedicated his career to being like an advocate for autism and also anti-bullying. And he, you know, when I talked to him, he really emphasized that the basketball community at MSU and Tom Izzo, there really is a culture of, you know, inclusion and community. And um, basically Anthony went to the Breslin Center administration um, about four years back and said, hey, I think we should put a sensory room here. It's an Mm. an issue that's really important to me. And he actually told me he coaches a yearly basketball clinic for kids with autism. and he had a parent, multiple parents, tell him that they couldn't take their kids to events at the Breslin mm. um, because there was a lack of sensory accommodations. So he heard that and he said, I want to get this done. So he went to the Breslin Center administration and they started working on it. Wow. And there was another, you know, he sort of, I think, inspired this. But my sense from the story was that some of the, the funding and some of the like, more kind of professionalized guidance came from another group who you talked to. Yeah. So I talked to um, a gentleman named Freddie Bello who has been in pizza, he's, he's been in pizza, he's been in the pizza business um, for about 33 years, he told me. Um, and he actually, it's funny, he, you know, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. Yeah. He does, you know, he kind of got put on the map for doing like pizza reviews. Um, and he went to Freddie's store um, back in like 2020 and gave him an 8.7 rating. And that's now- big. That's big. That's big. And ever he's since- a tough critic. Yeah. Ever since then, um, Freddie and Dave are, are kind of friends. and. Freddie's business has just been off the charts ever since really? then. Yeah, but basically, Freddie Bello, um, for a long time, wanted to, he wanted to make the world a better place. He wanted to find some sort of, you know, charity effort mm-hmm. that worked for him. But he told me he's not the kind of person who's just going to do something to do something. That's actually a quote in the story. Mm. Um, but in 2017, his son was diagnosed with autism. And at this point, um, he knew that that was the cause that he wanted to put his time and effort into. So he created a foundation called Freddie the Pizza Man Foundation. And what they do is they equip sensory rooms across the state of Michigan. So Mm. at this point, they've done 72 schools. um, And he told me that they buy the equipment, they deliver it to the school, and then he and his family set it up um, rather than just writing checks. Yeah. And the Breslin Center is the first, like, large venue that they've equipped a sensory room at. um, And they're actually opening one at Ford Field, too pretty soon. Oh, so, wow. yeah. And so he's sort of with, you know, his experience with his son can inform not just paying for it, but how to kind of best set it up so the kids can feel comfortable yeah. going to the games. Absolutely. And he actually, he told me that on Father's Day um, in the summer, this last summer, he and his family, including his son mm-hmm. and his other kids, they actually went to the Breslin and they were there for 10 hours, just getting a feel for the room and setting mm. it up the way that they thought um, was the best. So. Yeah. Well, this is this was a fascinating story. Someone, you know, someone like me, I think a lot of our readers who are neurotypical, it's not something I'd ever really thought about. Mm-hmm. I go to the Breslin Center. It's not something on my radar. But to see them do this was, I don't know, it was fascinating. It's yeah. so cool to see something new like that. Thank you for coming on the 1909 and sharing it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. 
That's all for this week. We'll be back next Thursday with more. Until then, the stories we discussed and plenty more are available at statenews.com. I've also got to tell you about a new podcast we're launching this week, Going Deeper. It's a love and sex podcast hosted by our podcast director, Anthony Brinson, and copy editor, Al Frum. The first episode is available wherever you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, thank you to Anthony for putting our show together, our guests, Theo and Owen, and most of all, to you for listening. For the 1909, I'm Alex Walters.